Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Happy 4th of July weekend to you all, and I'd just like to read a couple of scriptures. Uh, Psalm 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And also from 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, concerning our responsibility as, as Christians to pray, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. Do you believe our land needs a healing? And there's been much blood shed for the freedoms that we are afforded. And the most precious shed was the blood of Jesus Christ. It is by his blood we have been set free from sickness, sin, and death. Amen? Along the patriotic theme, we'd like to sing America the Beautiful and God Bless America today. Kathy's going to start us out. Sea to shining 
Turn it over to Robbie this morning. Well, good morning, everyone. Are you thankful for the freedom we have to worship God today? We need God more than ever. Well, I want to remind you, Pastor Eric is not with us today. He is on vacation, a well-deserved time off. Um, so he asked me to kind of MC the service today. I'm just going to go over a couple announcements, but before we do that, we're going to dismiss our kids. So Chris Schiltz, I believe, is doing kids' church. So the kids, oh, there she is right there. <laughs> so kids, are you ready to go to kids' church? There's some exciting stuff planned. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but it's going to be good. All right, just a few announcements. Um, there is no Wednesday night activities with Pastor Eric on vacation. So that would be July 5th. Um, don't show up here on Wednesday night. Nobody's going to be here. <laughs> um, second thing, if you are interested in singing today, um, do a hymn sing. Loretta Solar, where's Loretta? She's in the car right there. If you are interested... Meet at the church at 2.30, and she'll give you instructions in what to do. Um, and then one more thing, just want to remind you about Friday night service, July. It was great to worship the Lord. Talk with him and service back over to Mike. We filled the water tank today. So if you're interested in being water baptized, if you've never been baptized in water, um, just find me while Adrian preaches, and then we'll make sure and get you in that tank and we'll take care of you. So, Mike, are you ready to worship the Lord? Amen, I am. Let's do it. I'd like to say thank you to all of you, too, for uh, welcoming, uh, having a warm welcome for Karen and Isamar uh, last weekend as they visited with us from uh, Nicaragua, now living in Los Angeles, California, here on two-year visas that they were recently granted, and uh, having grown up in the Sikran Orphanage, where we will be returning with a team of 15 uh, August 11th through 20th. So be praying for us with our team, please. And we're going to sing a song called, The Battle Belongs to the Lord.
Christ our Lord. We like to sing a song called See a Victory. Do you believe that you're going to see a victory? All of us have areas in our lives. I know there are things I need the victory in. And only through God is it possible. For with God, all things are possible. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph My God will never fail No, my God will never fail I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory 
There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how this story ends. Yes, I know. Yes, I know how this story ends. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the battle. Let's sing that again. I'm going to see. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. of Calvary forevermore. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I believe we have uh, the sound of victory coming. This is our, our friend, Adrian Granados, and he's going to be sharing the message from God's Word with you today. Please welcome him with a warm Round of applause. Well, hello, Hillside Assembly and people online. Happy Fourth of July weekend. It's this time of year that we get to celebrate Independence Day and the birth of our country, the United States of America. 
One of my favorite events of the entire year is when I get to go and watch fireworks with my family. It's been a thing since I was a small child. Here in Ripon, we go down to Murray Park, and we lay on the hill on a blanket and watch all together. And as a child, it was extra exciting because I would go to bed probably around 6.30 p.m., and what felt like the middle of the night, I would be woken up and we'd go all together. And so this time of the year has always been something that I've really enjoyed celebrating um, for all the things that, that we celebrate with our country coming into existence and for all the family and friend time that we get to have. Fireworks, though, can also represent a battle, just like the lyrics in our national anthem that go like this. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. When our country gained independence from Great Britain, it was a fight that anyone, and probably everyone, would have predicted would have gone differently than it actually ended up going. The strength in the two armies would have seemed vastly in favor of Great Britain, and the odds were seemingly stacked. I wanted to now study a time when God's followers faced a near-impossible-looking battle in a similar way to see what God would teach us through that. So today we're going to be studying a leader named Joshua and his journey with God and the nation of Israel. But a little bit of background right before we get there is just before uh, the book of Joshua, Moses was the leader of the Israelites and he was leading them as they wandered through the desert after escaping slavery in Egypt. God gave a promise to this people that they would obtain a land that was set apart for them. But this was only going to happen after Moses and his generation passed away. Now, Joshua has become the leader right after Moses, and his responsibility is to lead Israel into the promised land. So we're going to go into Joshua chapter 1, and we're focusing right now on verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean, Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. In these first few verses, God makes several promises to Joshua. Before he commands Joshua to do anything, he gives him several promises. He tells Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot. How much confidence would that give you? In verse 4, God promises him a specific territory. Right? He tells him where they're going to be conquering. He gives him two more promises in this section. He says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And finally, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Through these promises, before Joshua had to fully engage with his journey of leadership, God gave him these promises that would have given him hope, confidence, and courage. And these same promises apply to us. Essentially, God promises Joshua three main things. One, the land that God promised them will be theirs. Two, his enemies won't prevail. And three, God will always be with him. Basically, God was saying, Joshua, trust me, I got this. God also gives Joshua a command in verse 6. He says, be strong and courageous. But... Why? Well, if we keep reading the verse, we see, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. 
you will lead them into this land and take it over. What is he saying? He's saying, be strong and courageous because my plan is going to succeed. Be strong and courageous because you will complete the task that I gave you. Be strong and courageous because I even gave this to trust me. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn it, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Again, God gives the command to be strong and courageous and be very courageous, in fact, in this part. He also says to obey the law that was given to Moses. Again, I ask the question, why? And God again gives an answer, that you may be successful wherever you go. Now Joshua knows that if he is brave, if he is strong, if he is courageous, and if he follows God's commands, he will be successful in all he does. In verse 8, we see that God says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I don't know if you all noticed, but God essentially said the exact same thing twice in a row. It's almost like his command was meant and that his promise was also meant. Moving on to verse 9, God says again, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I get the sense here that Joshua was probably a little bit afraid. If Joshua already was brave in his own self, if he already was courageous, why would God have told him over and over and over, be strong, be courageous? He was taking up a position of leadership that was probably a time where he was very anxious, very nervous, scared. He was about to go into a land where he knew there were groups of people that hated them and wanted to destroy them. God told him, gave him this command again, be strong, be courageous, don't be scared, don't be discouraged. And again, God gives the reason why. Because the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. In this section, we see multiple different things that are repeated and important. Firstly, God gives promises, and those promises he keeps. God also gives commands that lead to promises. There were times where God said, do this, and this promise will follow. In other moments, as I said, there were times where God gave a promise that wasn't conditional. It didn't matter what Joshua did. I also asked the question, why, several times throughout this. Because I wanted to show that for every single command that God gave Joshua, there was a reason. And God also followed his commands with promises. God gives us commands for our benefit, and it keeps us within his promised blessings. God's goal isn't to steal our fun or make life boring. Rather, his commands are given to make us have the best, most fulfilling life possible. In Psalm 145.13, we're reminded, the Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. And we're going to go and see that in action a few chapters later. We're going to be moving ahead to when Joshua is leading the people to the first human obstacle that they're going to face and it's a greatly fortified city of Jericho. All right, Akaika, I'm going to have you come up and help me. Akaika has no idea what he's doing yet. Don't worry, you're just holding something. So as long as you can stand there and hold this, and uh, you can feel free to stand. Um, you can take like five steps forward right in the shade over there. Awesome. All right, so hopefully you can see um, a little bit of this. You might not be able to see the writing, but that's okay. So this is a little diagram of uh, what the walls at Jericho, a sort of mounded area. Um, this is all stuff that was actually found um, within the last century through archaeology. And so this is stuff that was shown by people who are in fact not Christians um, who had studied the area around. So at the very bottom, there was a little trench and a retaining wall. Okay, so that's the smallest wall at the way bottom. 
and that was about 12 to 15 feet high. And that's the smallest wall. Right above that, there's a lower wall, which was six feet thick and 20 to 26 feet high. Then there was a very steep slope and a wall at the top. And that wall was about the same size as the lower wall. And the base of the wall was 46 feet above ground level. So if you wanted to attack the city, you would have to go through a trench. You would have to climb a very high retaining wall. If you managed to do that, you'd have to get past an even higher and very thick mud brick wall, climb up a very steep slope, and get past another wall that was also very high and started, as I said, way above ground level. Thank you, Akaika. So, in those times, the city of Jericho was impenetrable. If they wanted to close the gates and lock you out, you were not going to get through. I'm going to move ahead into Joshua chapter 6, and that is where the Israelites come upon Jericho. Verse 1 says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites, because they were scared. No one went out and no one came in. All right, so we just saw that there are three gigantic walls. It's on a huge slope, and it's a decent-sized city. The Israelites have no way of successfully attacking this city where God promised them they were going to have their land. Verse 2, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Now pause for a second. They walk up to this city, see these walls, see that, it, that they can't get through, that it's impenetrable, and God says, see, I've delivered them into your hands. Seems strange. To any normal human being, they would say, God, what are you talking about? There's no way you've... They locked the gates. We can't get in. How are they delivered into our hands? But God knew how it was going to end. Verse 3, God said, March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So God gives some more commands here. First he says, okay, day one, you're going to march around this city. And then you're going to do that again and again and again and again and again. Six days in a row. And then on day seven, you're going to march around this city seven times in a row. And then you're going to shout and the wall's going to crumble. So God gives that command. And I've been asking this question every time. Why? God says, why are you going to do this? Because it's going to collapse and you're going to enter and you're going to defeat them. Okay, so God still gives a command and a promise if that command is followed. It just seems like it wouldn't work. How crazy would this have felt to Joshua? He's going to walk around this over and over. He probably thought it sounded like a pretty stupid plan. Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, an armed guard going ahead, and priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. I thought I'd give you a little bit of a demonstration so you can maybe understand what the Israelites might have been thinking. 
I'm sorry, I was not able to get a hold of any ram's horns for a trumpet, um, but my parents did have this old trumpet at their house. All the valves don't even work, nor do I know how to play trumpet. But I think that might help with this illustration a little bit. So Joshua commanded these people to get out, all right? These tents here represent the city of Jericho, very impenetrable. And they marched around the city. The entire time, they had trumpets playing. I wonder at what point some of the people thought to themselves, why are we doing this? This is ridiculous, right? There's a, an entire city, probably a lot of them are like peering over the wall or looking through a window, wondering what's happening. It was probably pretty embarrassing, but they continued. I also wonder about the people who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. It wasn't a light thing to carry, and here they are, holding poles, carrying this big chest-like thing around. They're probably like, this isn't fun, my arms hurt. I wonder how many of the people there had arthritis or had a limp or were getting a little old or were just really lazy and thought, I don't want to be hiking around a city right now. They have a bunch of people in there that want to kill us and here we are walking around the city. They're probably making fun of us in there. How many thoughts of those thoughts would you have? Were they embarrassed? Were they tired? Were they hungry? Were they annoyed? They probably were a lot of those things. But the most important thing that they were was that they were willing. Whatever their thoughts were about that, they were willing to follow Joshua, who was following God. And that's why they were able to see a miracle happen. So that was just day one. Verses 12 through 14. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing their trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. So they would have done that whole thing, and it would have taken a lot longer than it took me to walk around the tents. They did this for six days. And you know what? Even on day four, on day five, on day six, did any of them know, know, for sure, without a doubt, that this was going to work? Every day, they wouldn't have seen it quit, willing to keep going at it, no matter how embarrassing or tiring or maybe even dumb it seems to you. We're going to finish out with verses 15 through 21. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. I'm going to skip ahead a few verses to verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men, women, young, old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. They completely destroyed the city. When it came time for the trumpets to blow their final blast, and they had to shout. By the way, I don't know if you caught on, but they weren't allowed to say a word for the first sixth and the seventh day until that. So they were probably thinking all these things silently to themselves without being able to talk to each other. On that seventh day, were they embarrassed when it came time to shout? Or were they excited or proud or eager to see what was going to happen? Whatever their feeling was then, when they saw that wall collapse, they would be able to go into that battle confidently 
knowing that no matter how it felt along the way, because they had followed God's commands, they were going to get to see his promise that they would take that land. Worship team, you can uh, come up. I'm going to be finishing here. All right, so what are, what are our main points through all of this? Firstly, God makes promises. He makes a lot of promises, and he always fulfills them. The second thing that we see here is that the battle belongs to the Lord. God was in control. He knew what was going to happen. He knew he was going to win, and he knew the Israelites would be all right. The entire time, that battle belonged to God. Yet God still gave commands so that the Israelites could work with God. And that's an interesting thing for us. God is in control, yet he gives us commands so that we can live life and we can work, and we can work with him to achieve his plan. God's plan doesn't always seem to make sense to us. And it doesn't always have to. We just need to follow what he wants us to do. We need to be willing, even if we're uncomfortable, feel silly, are embarrassed, feel tired. Whatever we're feeling, that's not what needs to decide how we act. We need to do it based on God's word. The worship team is going to be singing a blessing over you. And I thought this was interesting. I had no idea they were going to do this until about five minutes before um, we started with the church service. Um, but I wanted to end by sort of giving a blessing of Joshua 1.9 to you all. Um, before we do that, though, I'd like us to pray together. So would you please stand? We'll pray and then the worship team will play a song and Robbie will take control of it. Dear God, Thank you so much for all the freedoms that we have. That we don't have to go to battles to have our property or we don't have to fear to come to church service because it's illegal. God, you've given us a lot of privileges here that we know there isn't all around the world. So firstly, I want to pray, God, for the Christians around the world who are still meeting, who are still worshiping you without these freedoms. Thank you for their perseverance and be with them. God, I pray that for all the promises you've given, up, given us, that we would also persevere. No matter how we feel when we follow your commands, God, that we would understand that you give us promises with those commands that you will fulfill. Thank you, Jesus, and help us this week to enjoy time with family, with friends, to appreciate all that we have. In your name, amen. So Joshua 1.9 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. This was the blessing given by God. God told Moses, I want you to tell Aaron, the priest, to pronounce this blessing over Israel. And we know that Moses and Josh, uh, Moses and Aaron were not able to enter the promised land because of their disobedience. Joshua was called to carry out that task, to take the people into the promised land. But nonetheless, God had blessed his people. He is still blessing his people. And you are his people through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And many of you know this. Robbie and I are going to sing it. You sing it with us. The Lord bless you.
thank you for the message today. Lord, may we take it to heart. May we be encouraged as the Word of God challenges us to be strong and courageous. For the Lord our God is with us. Amen? He is Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for each of the battles. We all have battles, Lord. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, it says, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. But we know that greater is He that is in us than he who is in the world. We know that if God is for us, who can be against us? And we know that according to God's Word, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. God bless you and have a happy 4th of July this weekend as we sing Amen.
Let's give him a shout of praise. 